Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. I can't believe I took a week off and they are still talking about the exact same thing. I thought the cycle was like three days. No, we're getting hit hard (laughs) with Hurricane Whistleblower the past couple weeks. Yes, exactly. And I do have lots of little tidbits and details that I find fascinating. But the news today, the breaking news, is that a second anonymous hearsay whistleblower has come forward according to private attorneys who represent them both. That was the really interesting, funny part about the story to me is that initially the reporting was that Breaking news, the lawyer that represents the first whistleblower now represents the second whistleblower that in the future will come forward. Yes, and I investigated the lawyers because I was like, "Mm, smelling a rat. Yeah. So we'll get to that, but let's talk about the meat of the matter first. So actually, you probably are have been more up on that because I've been out at my mom's and uh, you've been sticking around in the mud here so what what do you think catch me up would you and then we've got lots of details to talk about it's not too much of a shift from last week except they are adding a second whistleblower and what they're doing from the for the story purposes in the reporting of it is they're using this to say you can no longer argue that the first one was just hearsay because this second whistleblower allegedly had firsthand knowledge of the phone call which we already have a transcript of which is an interesting uh, way to report something. Oh, so it's supposedly – so we have hearsay that claims it's not hearsay, right? So, like, we don't, a- he didn't, we don't actually have an IG report from the second whistleblower. We just have a private lawyer who says that this whistleblower is saying yeah. that he actually witnessed it. So yeah. it's not double hearsay, but it is hearsay. It, yeah. I have, like, an equation across my notes that says – Anonymous hearsay times two still equals zero. Yeah. Like that's math my son who has Down syndrome can do. It's like, what happens when you multiply nothing by a number? He's like, you have nothing. Well, I have something I can tease to you that I'll tell you in a second after we go through the story that actually relates to that aspect of it. But that's the story. Another whistleblower is about to come forward and it's going to give more credibility to the impeachment inquiry that, you know, he's never going to get removed from office. (laughs) One of the headlines i saw had it said multiple in quotes so the word multiple was in quotes multiple sources back account of president's dealings with ukraine so it's not they couldn't even put multiple sources in quotes so what is multiple what like that's in quotes and like you said we have the transcript that's what they tell us so why do we need someone to verify the transcript Unless we're going to find out some more context or unless they're just – they're really drilling home the idea of multiple anonymous whistleblowers. Well, I feel like this may hint at, may just be a a flavor of a theme that I have found from Brexit to the census to what's on the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court sat today and they'll sit till June. Ex-Justice Thomas didn't show up for work today, but uh, one of the things on their docket, which I want to talk about their docket later on, but one of the things is that Trump suspended DACA, which so Obama had an executive order and Trump like kind of rescinded the executive order. And the one of the judges who 
uh, suspended Trump's ruling, did so on the grounds that he that Trump did not provide an adequate rationale for his decision to change policy. And this goes to, do you remember I was like getting to that with Brexit, like the prorogation was suspended or like the Wilbur Ross thing with the census, the, the motive. So these guys are exercising their power, their power, their rule of law by the letter of the law, which is how you want it. And their power is being interfered with, which means it's actually being hijacked by another entity, right? Like if you are, if a judge is standing in the way of you exercising your power, that judge is exercising power. So it screws up the checks and balances. It screws up the rule of law. And what they're doing is saying, if you don't have the right mindset, you are not allowed to exercise the laws by the letter of law, which makes it all very subjective and very beholden to a kind of PC or moralizing. And I feel like if that this goes to that a little bit, that they're saying the that the the transcript itself isn't enough to exonerate or hold him accountable. It's the motive. Yeah, exactly. It's the feeling. And that's why these whistleblowers, yep. double hearsay anonymous whistleblowers, are going to add the critical information, yeah. which is what was in his heart. Exactly. So it cannot be proven explicitly, so they're going to build all of this stuff to create a case to support the argument that it is, it, that it is proven implicitly that he made a quid pro quo. And they're even citing this stuff from last week, these emails that were released between these other officials. I tweeted about this a little bit, but there was a CNN, there was a CNN article about all these – well, there's a bunch of articles about it – about all, all these quotes about – all these text messages between ambassadors that, for Trump and for Ukraine, and they said they basically prove that there's a quid pro quo, but what they don't include is that there's actually a quote from one of the ambassadors or from one of, the, uh, one of Trump's people in the thing that says, I think that you're misunderstanding and we need to stop texting. It's <laughs> abundantly clear that the president said under no circumstances will there be a quid pro quo. Said that in the thing, which is an odd thing which to say. Which isn't in the transcript anyway. Yeah. So it, that just means that the transcript is now in question. Yeah. So there should uh, – some of these stories of people doing stupid tweets and texts and stuff, I get it's possible. It's humanly possible. But even I, a, an extremely impolitic person, knows better. I mean I've already learned my lesson texting rashly to my children yeah. for fear of misunderstanding yeah. or being quoted or being screenshotted. I mean I'm just like I – you know, we all know now that texts get you in trouble. Yeah. You know what the worst with that is, is if you ever send messages on Facebook and you go back and you send a message to somebody that you hadn't talked to in a while and you see all of your old messages from like years ago. They're still there. To that person? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I think with Facebook, I don't know about the messages, but I think your post, you can edit them. You can edit your post, which you, you can. can't do with a tweet. I mean, boy, you could really make some trouble with that. Like, what do you mean you you thumb, you like this? It was a racist quote that I used yeah. from somebody else. You know, like you could totally mess with people. But there was another article in the Wall Street Journal about the whistleblower thing, and it was that, that Bill Barr is directly contacting other heads of state, including Australia, so that this piggybacks on what was going on with Ukraine. Like he is actually, instead of just going through intelligence to intelligence channels, which is how you're supposed to do it, 
that's the argument that Bill Barr is creating <clears throat> diplomatic tensions by doing Trump's dirty work. But there was a very telling quote in the article I read today in the Wall Street Journal by Mark Warner, my least favorite senator who got corrupt, got money. He's the richest guy in in Congress. And I say he's got ill-gotten gains at the expense of the American public. But he had this quote, which was like the money quote, in that it's coming up all over the place. And I'm thinking, this is going somewhere. Maybe I should read the quote directly. He says, uh, this could put the five eyes relationship in jeopardy, Mr. Warner said, using the term to describe an intelligence sharing agreement among the U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, uh, Australia's foreign minister didn't re respond to a request for com com comments. So now five eyes used to be a conspiracy theory term. Like, did you know about like echelon or five eyes or whatever? But they're bringing it out into the open. And, and what they usually do with that, which is what Edward Snowden did with the met metadata collection, is they're validating it. They're defending it. Like, what's wrong with the word socialist? Yeah, man, let's embrace it. What's wrong with intelligence? You know, let's just stop being so squeamish. Come yeah, on, step up. They're legitimizing it. Yes, exactly. So I just would like to say that there is a problem with it. And the problem is, as Judge Knapp there, I just tweeted this 40-second appearance or clip from an appearance he made on Fox News a couple of years ago actually pertaining to this subject which was that Obama, instead of going to the NSA or the CIA, which he would have no cause to do, like no, like he'd have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, leave a paper trail, have a reason perhaps to get dirt on Trump. Instead, he went through GCHQ, which is a British intelligence agency. And because we have intelligence yeah. sharing, he can go directly to them. So I guess like Bill Barr is supposed to go through channels, through the intelligence in, intelligence to intelligence department channels, but Obama can go straight to the intelligence community in order to actually prevent the kind of paper trail that that would have created. But what I, my takeaway from Knapp was, Judge Napolitano, was that, and this goes to the propaganda to everything. We have all these laws where they say you are not allowed to direct that propaganda or this surveillance or anything like that on domestic, on American citizens operating inside the confines of this country. And they really take broad latitude with that. But still, they actually always fall back and say, we don't worry, we're not doing this to you. You might be collateral damage, but we're not allowed to target you. However... I have never heard that we're also not allowed to target anybody in the five eyes. And it sounds to me like since they are – what Judge Knapp seemed to be saying was if we're all targeting each other's citizens for whatever, intelligence gathering or psyops or propaganda or whatever, then you get to use – your your protections are null and void because you just can go to Australia and say, hey, I want this information on Brad Binkley – and they're like, oh, that's great because I want information on, you know, the Crocodile Dundee. So let's just swap all that. And that is a big problem. And they're going to legitimize it and act like it's for your own protection. But don't forget the CIA, when they talk about intelligence, when they talk about intelligence gathering, the real purpose of these intelligence agencies, the primary occupation is conducting operations. 
It's not passive gathering of information. It's conducting operations that are actually meant to change the mindset or, as we've read, to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. I mean, this kind of thing is what they do. So it's it, they could be running psyops on us within the confines of whatever the this agreement is. Yeah, they call it counter propaganda or counter information warfare. Yeah, and it's and it is it it isn't like for good. It can be to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. Yeah. Okay, so I have like a few quick things about the whistleblower thing and one thing about today's date that is really interesting in relation to the second one being okay but we uh, have to stick with i'm not finished with the whistleblower so i still no, have this is my whistleblower uh, stuff. yeah i've got i've got my punchline this yeah i have this is the punchline for me too unless yeah. you want to go ahead with that no no, no 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 all right well the few of the themes that i noticed are that one always check my indivisible email right after this comes out just to see what they're saying <laughs> and they had an interesting little line that said we call moments like this one that we are in now, we call them movement moments. They're semi-rare opportunities when the grassroots has a huge opportunity to grow and flex our long-term power, all while accomplishing short-term advocacy goals or electoral goals. And then it says, but unexpected moments mean unexpected cost. And then they go into their donation spiel, and then they go into their here's what you have to do this week spiel. So they really work it. It really gives new meaning to the report from Iron Mountain's call to always multitask. Oh, yeah. Always get (laughs) more than one thing accomplished. Right. And and I would like to maybe modify that that movement moment to manufactured movement moment. Yes, very much. so. Can we layer that on? I think so. My glossary is dormant, but I'll have to re. That'll be a good one to add to it. Yes. Another theme has been. You hear this all the time on every single network. Trump has publicly admitted to a crime. He's publicly admitted to it with the transcript. And CNN even said this extraordinary line in what was presented as a news article. The White House defense therefore rests in trying to convince voters that the transcript of the phone call between Trump and Zelensky does not show what is in fact very clear. That he asked Ukraine for a favor immediately after discussion of future military aid. So he did say favor, but this is saying you're guilty. But this is – if you were to actually examine foreign relations between these guys – I mean, think of Blagovich's, Blagojevich's phone call like, Obama knows how it works. There's not nothing for nothing. I'm not giving him that Senate seat. He can give me a little something. Yeah. People act like oh, they were shocked. The guy didn't say everyone knows how it works because everyone did not know how it works. Yeah. Like, we ha- we are in these countries, especially Ukraine, with every single thing we do is quid pro quo. We are yeah. openly quid pro quoing everything. And, and this – and the fact that if you want to get, okay, well, this is political, this is one-sided, then go back to what Obama was doing because that's ultimately yeah. what what like Barr is doing. He's investigating the origination of the stuff about Obama, uh, about Trump, which came from the Obama administration, which is what Judge Knapp is talking about. And don't get me wrong. I'm not getting down in there like, oh, and then I wonder what happens. Yeah. I don't – it's just obviously manufactured because – 
it doesn't hang together logically. There's no virtue here, and I'm not even sure there's any particularly interesting event here. But there is a psyop here, and I'm going to tell you how I know. I've got some details on that. A psyop. Uh, the, uh, on top of that, if you think about what it means for the people in Indivisible and uh, elsewhere who believe – who honestly believe that he has publicly that Trump has publicly admitted to a crime and yet their efforts to get him removed from office are still failing then they are going then if Trump is not removed through impeachment and if he is not removed through getting voted out then they're going to be in the position of believing that someone who has openly committed crimes a thug a gangster just like uh, what's a De Niro was saying the other day. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Is yes. in office and the gangster theme. Yeah, yeah. Democracy. And then they'll probably they'll probably start showing pictures of him walking with like big mafia looking guys behind him. You're right. I bet they do. Yeah. yeah like I bet like his whole um, Secret Service detail apparatus detail is like different and. There's a funny picture like that of Barr walking out of mass on Sunday. Now, it, one, it looks like one's a chick and one's a dude, but they're looking a little menacing, but not like I just envision like a little Reservoir Dogs action coming yeah, at you behind Trump coming up. Yeah. So these people are going to be left with a belief that democracy has failed. The last-ditch effort to remove Trump through voting through democracy has failed, and this goes to play in with the Stacey Abrams leading the resistance afterwards where – Everything we've tried, democracy has failed. It's time for something different. It's time for more radical efforts. And this is just empty talking points. I mean, it's the art of ambiguity. Absolutely. Like, if you really wanted to dig in, I don't think you and I, I have been digging in. And actually, I find nothing. But a lot of times you don't know what there is or isn't there. Yeah. I got nothing. The the thing the way CNN's been reporting the story is just extraordinary to me, too. Because the Biden, there was a picture of Biden released with his son and with, executives at Burisma Holdings on the golf course after Biden had said, I've never talked to my son about his business dealings. And then what a picture, year was it? I don't know. 2014. Probably. 2014. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Not, not 2019. No, 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 no I don't no, think no. so. Right. Okay. All right. So, but, then, but CNN reported this story at like Trump released a video that was a Nickelback song. It was a troll that said, take a look at this picture, and it was part of Nickelback's song. And then it showed it showed Biden saying the thing about never never ha- talking to his son about his business dealings. Then it showed the picture of Biden with people that he did business dealings with on the golf course. And even some people uh, in the left wing that aren't necessarily CNN or these other networks that are some more like YouTube type of personalities that dislike Trump a lot, they were not happy about Biden and all this. But CNN made this story out to be Trump, a Trump Nickelback video gets pulled from Twitter, and then the entire story was about how a copyright claim on a YouTube video. I saw the headline. I had no idea what it was about, but they, I saw that headline. Yeah, they did not one time mention that the video showed that Biden lied. But here's the thing. <laughs> All of that stuff plays into their false narrative that Hunter was his interests were aligned with the Burisma guys. See, I say yeah, he was yeah, there yeah. to betray them. Yeah. And so the more they play into that, the more that Biden's defense, which is, hey, by the way, what I did was I got the guy fired for not pursuing them. The yeah. more you show how our interests were aligned with theirs, the more I look like I can keep it separate. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, so so none of that really it, it just adds to the smoke and mirrors and the distraction. Go ahead. I was commenting on that because uh, I showed some of that to my friends who really liked CNN before but did not like the fact that Biden had these connections. I said, look yeah. at this and look how they did not even mention the meat of this story. They're a lot. So that actually got them to say, basically, yeah. I'm done with CNN. A couple people. Yeah, because that, that when people call our show and say, like, Fox is stupid and CNN at least is yeah. real, it's like – Take the blinders exactly. off. But look, I yeah. got more. We gotta go. Okay, go. So, I got well, I got one where you hit yours, I'll hit mine. Or you want me to go uh, first? Well, I'll hit one, which is just that last week, I hope people recall before it was even a whatever, sparkling Jeff Zucker's eyes, they I I said I several times, like on that during the break interview at, which I did before I left and on our show on Monday. Like you, you get talking points, you get briefed on this stuff. You do not make calls without being briefed. And then the next day, the news was Pompeo. And then after that, it was Rick Perry or whatever. But they're now they're saying, yes, there were other people behind the call, which, which just stands to reason. I mean, the guy, you had, if every kind, if Michelle Obama had a staff of 40 people, obviously you have to have people who are experts in this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so what's your last point? Because we have a few more stories and we're almost – Right, I got I lost track of time there for a second. Uh, Me too. My, the last one is that today, uh, today the EU is releasing or enacting a directive for whistleblower protection worldwide. And yeah. part of this whistleblower protection – it, the recommendation from the policy papers that yeah. national whistleblowing legislation should not introduce special or additional penalties for persons making knowingly false declarations using whistleblower channels. Member states in their defamation or criminal laws already provide penalties applicable in these circumstances. So you can lie. Oh, defamation is adequate for mm-hmm. that? Yep. For that double anonymous double hearsay is protected against, whereas everything from Hillary having bloody fangs to people saying uh, are not, defamation isn't enough, we need total censorship on Twitter, defamation is not enough for anything except for this, which anonymous double hearsay from the inside of the government is not going to be penalized for knowingly false statements. You want to hear the explanation? It's Blow because mind, it's because people who report secondhand information or knowledge or only catch a piece of a document don't have the full information, and they will be too afraid to come forward with that secondhand information yeah, if it's proven Half false later. and out of context. Yes, so they want <laughs> them. So now every whistleblower will be secondhand information because that's ultimate protection from criminal prosecution. That's right, what so that you get be. somebody else to say it. Yes. So that you are actually completely protected. Right. Well, and, that yeah. kind of double standard was in one of the Supreme Court cases that's going to come up where I think it was Kansas or somebody would wants to charge illegal immigrants for falsifying their like Social Security or whatever on official documents, which, of course, we would all be held responsible for give, putting false information on like a 
government documents. I'm just saying, like they give they're they're giving passes to people exactly when they should not be giving yeah. passes. They're they're free to make up and propagandize at will. The intelligence community, especially now, the final one that you just mentioned, really the recommendation from the policy paper, which we are adopting. We are putting this into play right now because they've been talking about the legal channels and the failure and the success of them in the news a lot. And it says national whistleblowing legislation should provide for anonymous reporting. A report should not be discarded merely because it was made anonymously. If sufficient information is provided, the recipient of the report should follow up on it. Okay. Wait, the recipient. Oh, wait, say that again. The recipient, if sufficient information is provided, the recipient of the report should follow up on it. Okay. Well, that's okay. What's wrong with that? Do I not? Okay. So here's the thing. This is what's. we have whistleblower protections, right? There, I don't know how to make this into a suspenseful, so I'm just going to give you the facts. <laughs> so I looked at, I could have constructed it properly if I didn't feel like it was, uh, there's too much here. So, so I looked up these lawyers, the lawyers for the whistleblowers. Because I was like, how this is so anonymous and so hearsay y that it's like unbelievable to me that the whistleblower that is being cited on the front page of the Wall Street Journal apparently has not actually filed a whistleblower claim. Right. So I'm like, who are these lawyers who are trotting out this story? So I look and the guy's names sound like super Muslim or something, Bakaj and Zaid, right? But they're not. I actually Stumbled upon this. I was just looking up Bakaj and Wiki, B-A-K-A-J, and I was looking for the actual person. I wanted his bio. And it came up under a Wiki article titled Ukrainian Surnames. So is that funny? <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to play in or what, and this guy's I does not look... I just thought, like, the name seemed weird to me. They didn't say their firm name, uh, but Zaid uh, established the whistleblowersaid.com, which Bakaj is a part of, and they have overlapping things. Zaid, so here's the crazy stuff about this guy, Andrew Bakaj, okay? His story is he's not even 40 yet. He started his career working for Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who died in 2003. So this guy was pr- born at the... Let, earliest 1980. Andrew Bakaj was born in 1980 at the earliest, if he's not yet 40, right? So, well, I guess he could have been born in December of 79. But um, this, so he worked for Daniel Patrick Moore. It's just like an AOC story. Like this guy clearly was tapped as a kid, you know, as a young person. Because Moynihan was out of politics, I think, in 01 anyway. So he's cited as that. And I had to go to like the Wayback Machine to find this, but this uh, Bakaj, so in the articles you're reading today about him, he knows Zaid because Zaid was his lawyer when he was a whistleblower in 2014. So there's an article on 20, in 2014 that says... Uh, Hmm. Yeah, okay. 
Rare external investigation. This is an article from September 2019. Rare external investigation finds wrongdoing in the CIA's watchdog office. Uh, I'm going to read two paragraphs if you can handle it. Um, On a spring day in April 2014, officials at the CIA's watchdog office slapped yellow crime scene tape and heavy-duty combination locks on an employee's office door after security walked him out of the building for allegedly accessing information he wasn't supposed to have. But more than five years later, so fast forward to today, external investigators reviewed the case and concluded that Andrew Bacage, a former attorney in the CIA office of the inspector general was retaliated against note that word retaliated against by his bosses who were hoping to expose and ferret out whistleblowers inside the office. Okay. So, he was not only a whistleblower, but he was the victim of retaliation. So two things I want to tell you about that. One is that's going to play. Retaliation oh, that, yeah. is going to play. It's in the and EU they, directive. Okay. And they say in the Wall Street Journal, like, there's no evidence so far. So unrelated to this article I just read you from Yahoo from April, Wall Street Journal just slips in a little sentence. No evidence so far that Trump has sought the identity of the whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just threw that in there. Okay. So now – I go back in time in the Wayback Machine, and I find an article from 2009 that Andrew Bacage wrote about whistleblower protections with a focus on retaliation. And the article cites the Mac Daddy of all whistleblowers, this guy Ernie Fitzgerald, who Nixon fired for whistleblowing. And the focus was fraud, waste, and abuse in the Department of Defense. But Nixon fired the whistleblower, the best whistleblower of all time. And let me read you Andrew Bacage's bio from 2009. So he was whatever, not even 30. This is before he was the whistleblower in 2014 who was retaliated against by yellow crime scene tape. This is this guy's bio. Andrew P. Bacage is an investigator and the team leader of the National Security Reprisal Team Civilian reprisal investigations for the DODIG. He provides oversight over the NSA's first substantiated reprisal investigation, resulting in the agency's first disciplinary action against an NSA official for reprisal. Reprisal is retaliation. Reprisal is when they they penalize a whistleblower. So they took a guy whose entire career was based on establishing, recommending, writing, investigating, defending, prosecuting reprisals. That's not mentioned in any of the articles I read. Yeah. All that was mentioned was that, so this was in 2009, that in 2014, this guy made his name by successfully exonerating himself from reprisal. Nobody writes, by coincidence, they happened to slap yellow crime scene tape against the office of the guy who established reprisal protocol and won the first case against the NSA for reprisal. Wow, those guys are ballsy. Yeah, wow. You know? And, I mean, what kind of journalism doesn't connect those dots? Very biased, agenda-driven journalism. Okay, so let me just predict that reprisal 
is going to be an element in this story. Absolutely. I have seen the talk of the protection from what Trump is going to do has been all over this. And this is all in this is like one of the fundamental basis of this uh, EU directive, which I think that we are clearly going to be adhering to. We're going to be one of the member states leading the way for the world whistleblower standards, which is what the EU directive calls it. Well, we just changed that law to make hearsay okay. Yeah. And I mean, when you do away, when you allow hearsay, especially, especially in an era where the the hashtag on a con- on a congressional hearing is uh, believe her, oh you my know, when gosh, believe yeah. her is the thing or motive, like you can't even exercise your authority, your responsibility under the law without it being negated and neutralized by someone overriding based on what they perceive to be in your heart. I mean, these things, here's it, all of this stuff undermines the rule of law, which means the rule of law, not the rule of rulers. That's what it means, is that you can count on the black letter law. Yeah, it's a reversal. This is bad, yeah. bad stuff. <laughs> the, this directive talks about the reversal of the of the burden of proof. Even if you're talking about people with hearsay, it's on the other person to prove the that they are being malicious, that they are wrong. It's crazy. But it doesn't even matter because they – if they're good little soldiers like the beer guy or Al Franken, they will say, I – was wrong or that's not even true about me. Like Alfred yeah. was like, it's not even true about me, but I, I stand credibly accused and I will press prostrate myself before you. I thought that's such a tricky word. <laughs> I will bow before you. I will kowtow to your, to the, to the, to the, I support your desire to make that point about reality, even though the only example you could come up with is not correct, you know, but like what did Al Franken do? He did it for the good of the cause, even though he's completely innocent. Yeah. Right? Like that's his. Yeah. Claim. I didn't do it, but people do it. So therefore I take the responsibility. Right. Not. So why don't you find somebody who did it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, unlike Scott ba- Bayo, who you'll probably never see work again. Yeah. Well, he'll defend himself. Hallmark channel maybe for a little while. No. Are you kidding? That's when they'll really go after him. You can't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. So um, I, you know, we might take a minute or two of anything that absolutely has to get out today. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, go. let's take a few. You go. I got nothing else. I mean, we can do the Supreme Court stuff tomorrow and uh, other little things. So another an interesting story that happened today is that the there was there's these new laws in Hong Kong where they are arresting people. They're not allowed to wear a mask to cover your identity during protests. And they arrested the first people. Um, because of that yesterday and amongst the mass hysteria and increasing level of violence with those protests going on. Yeah. The no mask thing, there's like no burqa laws and stuff like that, that, so you get the right to say, well, Muslims are up to no good, so they shouldn't be able to cover their faces, you know, people on the right, but these are fundamental freedoms. You should be able to have 
do whatever you want with your body in the first place. And second of all, in a time of facial recognition, you should be able to cover your face when you have a legitimate political protest. Whether those yes. are legitimate or not, I'm not opining. Exactly. And there has been efforts to stop the effectiveness of facial recognition in China using anti-surveillance types face mask, which is supposed to – I don't know how well it works, but the idea is that it'll, it'll, it'll like scramble it or it'll prevent it from being able to fully recognize your face. And I think that's probably an effort to prevent that from happening. Well, that's – I have highlighted when there have been calls to ban body armor. Get your mind around wow. that. Yeah. Yes. They're like, but that keep makes you impervious to law enforcement. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That's what nuts. if you know what who do you think we're afraid of? Yeah. <laughs> like, once they get complete power and they can't help but respond to having total power. I got one more. I'm not quick... even saying they're bad. Yeah, right, exactly. We gotta be able to have the yeah. it's it's ridiculous to take if that. If they away. have un, uh, unfettered power, then they're gonna be bad. Sorry, you're not allowed to wear a helmet. You're not allowed I mean that's it's dangerous. Can't defend yourself from the people who have who wield the power you gave them. It's like playing football and the other team's wearing SWAT gear and you have on no pads, no helmet, no nothing. And the other team works for you. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I mean that's what I just don't get. Yeah. All right, one more quick hit that I, I know you had a comment on. The Atlanta Braves are playing the Cardinals today in game four of the NLDS, and hopefully the Braves will win. But one of the Cardinals players two days ago, and it was back in the news again today, said that he thinks the Tomahawk Chop is disrespectful. He's a Native American, and the Braves are now um, closely looking at the Tomahawk Chop. So expect it to be gone. by. I, I feel like... And I'm absolutely open to criticism on this. I uh, am completely respectful. I read a really fine quote in a book I was reading by Christopher Dawson, who was uh, like a sociologist or historian who was writing about kind of the end of Christianity in Europe. And he still had hope. It was like in World War II. And he was talking about how cultures, as they could be so good or a certain nationality can be great but if you don't have the technology you you know the measure of what makes a culture survive isn't always the value of the culture like christianity i guess was probably what he was talking about but sometimes technology just wipes you out even if you were good and he said like the best example was the american indian or native american who was arguably the finest race of man who ever lived like he spoke in those terms because it was back when Yet they were absolutely powerless against smallpox and bullets, and you know, deliberate that kind of thing. And I just, I, you know, I thought it was noteworthy that he respected them. I feel like their culture, to the extent that, like the reservations and the gambling and stuff, have given them kind of reparations, it hasn't preserved what was great about their culture. I mean, that's damage that's just done and you can never get it back. But when you look around at the homage that was paid to what was so fine, uh, one of the, some of the many things that were fine about them, including bravery, you know, braves is clearly not a word that is in the Indian languages. That's an English word. You know, you name them braves or yeah. you accept that name for them. And I, I just personally feel like it, it keeps, it keeps us aware of what we thought were valuable traits. 
I mean, you just don't name your 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 team after you know the the homeless. You know, like you don't, you know, the, the Atlanta homeless, like you're not doing that. You're naming your team after people you respect for qualities you admire and want to emulate. And if you want to just, if you want to be, if, if you're sensitive to it and you don't, you don't like it, I would just say it, it may just completely eradicate any memory of what is fine. If you can't accept the old nomenclature for it, when it was put into place, nobody has these memories anymore. Nobody is going to, you know, they, if anything, they'll bastardize or modernize or PCIs, whatever it is they want to value about your culture. You might as well keep that that tether to the past alive because it, it you know, you're probably not gonna get better than that. Is that is that offensive? I don't mean to be offensive at all, but I think it's I a valid point. I, I don't I don't insult you know, I don't disrespect the person's feelings. But like when Max Kellerman said he knows Irish people who find the fighting Irish of Notre Dame an offensive handle. Yeah. I don't believe him. I I just don't. And this person, this is one person. I don't know how the entire community feels, but that's the other thing. I'm making a point that I think other people might feel is valid. But this idea that if one person complains, everything must be changed. We'll put us at the expense of other people. Exactly. So we're going to have to continue changing everything all the time. If that's the case. And it's not like this guy hasn't played the Braves before and it's being, it's coming up. And I remember when American Indian was replaced by native American. And I remember as a kid thinking, so it's okay to be named after Amerigo Vespucci, but it's not okay. You know what I mean? But it's not okay to be named Indians or, you know what I mean? Like it just, it made no sense to me at all. Like you accept the name American. (laughs) They were different nations. There was no one nation, which is why there's no word for it, which is why you can't. So, so there were, uh, I think I read a poll at the time that said that most American Indians, as they were called at the time, did not prefer the change to Native American. Interesting. That they just didn't want to give up what, you know, it's weakening to change names. It's like ISIS and ISIL. Then all of a sudden you're like, who? Or or the guy, the Kate Steinle shooter. I can't remember his name anymore because they changed it. Yeah. I can't remember either of his names. And I knew that guy. I was looking that guy's story up every day. I was checking the dockets in San Francisco. I cannot remember his name. Yeah, and you can't even pronounce his new one. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you want to neutralize people, make them change their name. Yeah. That'll anyway, send them into much obscurity. respect, not disrespecting. I just feel like I think that the, uh, you know, let's let's have a – Let's not be afraid to talk about these things. Personally, I think a reporter asked him about it, and he seized the spotlight because he's playing the Braves in the playoffs and currently losing right now. I think. I was going to say maybe his his uh, his career is going Kaepernick. Yeah, County. yeah. Kaepernick. I guess we'll find out. You can yeah. find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at four p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you tomorrow.